Hi, everyone. I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. My guest today was profiled in a 2021 Forbes magazine article by Peter Lane Taylor entitled Meet America's Most Under-the-Radar Real Estate Developers Who Just Built the Finest Residences in the World. South African-born businessman Jules Trump, along with his wife of 50 years, Stephanie, and his younger brother and business partner, Eddie, comprise the Trump Group. Known as the other Trumps, they have amassed a truly impressive empire consisting of luxury real estate developments and hotels in Florida and California and technology startups in Tel Aviv. The Trump Group's first Florida real estate development was Williams Island back in the early 1980s, which seemed to be an improbable dream of turning 84 mosquito-infested acres into a wildly successful community known for its sophistication and elegance. The Trump brothers' first brand ambassador for Williams Island was none other than Sophia Loren. And Jules and Eddie also convinced retired Australian tennis legend Roy Emerson to run the club's tennis program. Other stars and Grand Slam champions like Bjorn Borg and Chris Everett soon followed. I first met Jules when I started representing the mansions at Aquilina, which was billed as the world's finest residences. With his latest luxury project, Estates at Aquilina, nearing completion, I recently toured that project's $60 million amenity palace known as the Circus Maximus. The four-story, 45,000-square-foot building includes a bowling alley, Formula One race car simulator, golf simulator, surfing pool, movie theater, indoor ice skating rink, 13,000-square-foot fitness center with, I have to say, an impressive boxing ring, three outdoor gyms, a live Wall Street trading room, soccer, basketball, and bocce courts, a two-story private nightclub, and an award-winning Greek restaurant called Avra, which I'm going to check out at some point. Jules and his family are the epitome of the American success story, and I'm delighted to have him as our guest today. So, Jules, welcome to Take It to the Board. Well, Donna, thanks very much for having me, and it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. So you grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa, and you emigrated to America when you were 29. Can you start out, Jules, by telling us what was your life like in South Africa? Actually, we moved from Johannesburg to Pretoria when I was very young. And growing up there, look, you know, if you were white and middle class, which we were, you know, growing up there was pretty wonderful, pretty luxurious and privileged. And I had a wonderful family. I was blessed with wonderful parents and a wonderful brother. He and I have been in business together since we were kids and we first started trading, which was very young. It was an absolutely wonderful childhood. We moved from Pretoria very briefly to Johannesburg and then immigrated virtually immediately to the United States. Ultimately, what motivated us to leave was I was married. We had our first child and our feeling was we just didn't want to bring a child up in you know, the apartheid regime. It was not something we could condone. So we wanted to, to get out of there as quickly as possible. So my brother first started, went to Europe, did very well in real estate. And then we were able to buy our first business in the United States. So you first moved, Jules, to New York City. Right. And that's where we bought our first business. We were able to buy a very, very distressed business that was on the verge of bankruptcy in the uh, retail business. We'd been brought up in the retail business. Our parents had a retail store and, you know, that's where we were brought up. And, you know, that's where we learned the principles of customer service. Our, our philosophy is 
you know, treating customers right and treating the people who work with you right. And we have a formula for success. If you've had some success, that's, that I must say, has, has been our, uh, our secret. That business, that retail business, Jules, was the clothing business, correct? Yes, he was in the clothing business. Retail clothing store. Right. Any parallels between that and real estate development? You know, I think, Donna, the reason we jumped into the condominium business was when we looked at the condominium scene in, in South Florida, we felt that if we could build decent buildings and provide extraordinary customer service, that would give us a tremendous edge. So our focus has always been on extraordinary customer service and really understanding what our customers would want and, uh, you know, being able to do conversations with them, be able to foretell what the future holds, what amenities would be appealing to them, food service, and so on. So I'm going to take you back. So you and Stephanie have young children. You're in New York City. You come down to South Florida. You like the weather. And you decide, now this is back in the early 1980s, you see a large parcel of land, which today is known as Williams Island. That was your first real estate development back in the early 1980s. You obviously saw something that no one else had seen up until that point. Did you consider that deal to be a huge gamble, a huge personal gamble for your family? You know, yeah, look, any business venture is a gamble. You know, was this a bigger gamble than most? Yes, it was. You know, it was an 80-acre island and uh, needed every service, every conceivable service. It uh, was in a nondescript area. So, you know, doing it there was a challenge. And, we, you know, we had to come up with innovative ways of bringing people to uh, Williams Island. And, uh, you know, that's when we hit on the idea of building this Mediterranean village and creating this the theme of the Florida Riviera, which... Uh, you know, became our, our theme. We made a deal with Sophia Loren, and which was wonderful for us. She was a wonderful lady. She and her husband, Carla Ponte, spent a lot of time with us on Williams Island. They were really terrific for us. And then, you know, one, one of the big outstanding things that really put us on the map was Robin Leach in Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous at that time, offered to do a show with Sophia on Williams Island. He kept showing that show over and over and over again. And then he did two more. He did one with my wife, Stephanie, and Sophia went to Europe to buy antiques for our clubs. That was a smash hit. And then uh, he did another one on Williams Island. So, look, she was a superstar then. She's, in my opinion, a superstar now. And People said to me at the time, you know, what are you doing, a woman of 50 years old? We saw something wonderful in her. And, you know, I think even to this day, she'd be a great brand ambassador for any company. It took you a while, though, to convince the surrounding property owners to sell, correct? No, Williams Island, still what it was then, 80 acres, including the the water. You know, lots and lots of amenities. We were the the first with a really super club, and uh, we really made tennis a big deal, as you mentioned. Roy Emerson was wonderful for us. It was our teaching pro, and, you know, you had the world champion. So, so we had top pros, Yvonne Lendl, Jimmy Connors, people like that coming to practice there. It was wonderful. Do you feel like Fisher Island copied you with the Mediterranean concept and the luxury lifestyle? I'm, I'm trying to remember when Fisher Island was developed, but it was after you developed Williams Island, correct? 
it was more or less the same time. And uh, they were big competition. People were not nuts about the ferry boat. I've been on that ferry boat. I've had clients on Fisher Island. I've been on that ferry boat. It's hard to make a meeting on time if you're stuck on the ferry. And that, that was certainly an advantage that we had. But it's gone on to be very successful. What do you think is most important to purchasers of luxury real estate? Is it the location, the design, the amenities, the service, or is everything equally important to these purchasers? I think you have to do everything well. Uh, you know, we've chosen to create fantastic living spaces. You know, we don't go for these ultra gorgeous buildings that are unlivable. It's not for us. The other thing is that we make sure that the amenities are really outstanding. I think you mentioned at the start of this talk that you visited uh, the estates at Aquilina. And I, I truly think we have the, nobody in the world, not, not just in South Florida, but nobody in the world has amenities like we provided here for a, a condominium development. It's just never happened. Over and over again, you know, we just over-provide. So we over-provided in terms of living spaces, in terms of the finishes, in terms of the amenities, and the service that we provide. Let me ask you this. What inspires you when it comes to design? I imagine you and your family travel all over the world. What inspires you when you're thinking about your next development or when you were thinking about estates and what it should look like? Initially, traveling the Mediterranean really helped, uh, particularly seeing the beach experience. You know, we believe South Florida is all about the beach and the ocean and, and so on, and people appreciate that so tremendously. And uh, traveling uh, Europe, uh, the Mediterranean, you know, you get a sense of how people want to live and uh, how they want to enjoy the beach, out, enjoy the outdoors. And we've tried to replicate that, you know. Nobody has done what we did with the, the lawn. Nobody's prepared to dedicate that kind of space to a lawn. And, uh, you know, we put couches on the lawn and people go nuts for that. Uh, so, you know, that, that was a, a very big inspiration. You know, using lager felt was a big inspiration. Just working with the guy was amazing. You know, what he did in terms of the lobbies, you know, changed the look of these buildings considerably. Have you seen the lobbies? I have seen the lobbies, and I was amazed at how the different feeling between Mansion's lobby and the estate's lobby. You know, I, I don't know if you know this about me. I, I'm a, a big fashion fan, okay? And I have to ask you, what was it like working with the late Carl Lagerfeld? It was truly an amazing experience. Look, I think he was over 80, and I think he'd been ill. But in spite of that tremendously hard work, he would fly in from Rome. We would meet always in Paris. He had this wonderful office, which was an old Rothschild, books by the million. He would come in at perhaps four o'clock, having flown in from Rome, and we would meet in, well, late into the evening, very much into the detail. He was super into detail. You know, he brought one day a cup to a meeting and he said, you see this, this color, this is exactly the color that you've got to do. You know, we've got this a mosaic rug on the floor. You know, he was so insistent on every color that was chosen for this mosaic rug and how it looked tattered and so on. So he was very much into the detail. And then, you know, the, the, the centerpieces is great, uh, is series of photographs of the fountains in Rome, which suits us down to the ground because uh, we're very much into fountains. We've done a really good job of fountains and, uh, the Italian theme is, you know, what we, 
what we picked up on for uh, uh, all, all of these buildings, uh, the Aquilina, the mansions, and the estates. We have on on the lower floors, we have this very Italianate sort of theme, the upper floors and the estates is ultra-modern. Did he get to see the final installation? No, he passed away. Did you meet the famous cat? I think the cat's choo-choo or... <laughs> I think that I think that was a big beneficiary under his estate, actually. You know, it's a crazy story with the cat. He would have a phone in the office. The phone would never ring. The only calls that he would take would be from the cat nannies. And and the deal that we had with him was that he was going to come over and do a grand opening party for us, which obviously didn't materialize. But the deal was this. That we would charter a Global Express, bring him over. Only he, the cat, and the two cat nannies could be on that plane. All of his executives would have to travel separately. That was just a crazy situation. We're talking about incredible designs, but I imagine over the years, how has the local design review board changed some of your initial designs. Has that happened to you where you go, you've got one thing in mind, and then you get in front of the local design review board and they say, nah, you got to change this? Not really. It hasn't been significant for us. Look, what happened was when we started with Aquilina, Dave Sampson was the new mayor of the new town, Sunny Isles. It had just been founded and so on. We got friendly with Dave and told him what we wanted to do in terms of, you know, bringing a really first-class building, which he was super thrilled about. I mean, for him, this was the biggest thing, that he could get such a quality building. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't live to see uh, the building completed. But uh, ever since then, you know, the city have been great supporters of ours. Look, we've done wonders for the city, and, you know, we've always honoured what we promised. So, uh, you know, with good reason, I mean. They've been good to us, but we've been good for the city. So I'm sitting in Fort Lauderdale. You are sitting, I presume, in Sunny Isles right now? Yes, in Sunny Isles. When I look around, Jules, and I'm driving around, I see the same type of boxy kind of mid-rise building with ground floor retail space, and they look startlingly similar. I mean, I could be in Nashville and see the same type of building. I could be in Austin and see the same type of building. Is design taking a back seat do you believe to necessity and affordability? In the high end, it is not. I think, you know, you do see lots of innovative design. And, you know, for our next project, we've been talking to some great designers in New York, and I just see, you know, wonderful ideas coming out. But I don't think design is deteriorating at the high end. I'm not going to name the city, but I recently looked at a downtown project where they were hoping to increase pedestrian traffic. And I will tell you that the housing looked like Soviet housing I saw when I was in Russia years ago. It was rather shocking. Uh, And I'm saying, who is buying in this type of development? Because it really did look very stark. There's brutalism, the brutalist fat design, but it wasn't as sophisticated as brutalist design. It really looked like the Soviet housing. At Aquilina, you don't have a mixed-use component. That's deliberate? No. Look, our properties, they're consumed with amenities and so on. And, you know, to the extent there is space, I'd rather dedicate it to customer enjoyment, our customer enjoyment. And, you know, we like bringing outsiders to our restaurants. You know, it's designed for that. The mansions, for instance, 
It's designed to be totally private. And if people want that sort of a lifestyle, they live in the mansions. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the hotel has two great restaurants and the Estates of Aquilina has a great restaurant. Well, I've been to Il Molino. Love Il Molino. And, you know, I put Il Molino's food up against any any restaurant in the world. They do a super job. Well, you know my name. It's Donna DiMaggio, so. <laughs> Were you brought up with Italian food? That's a funny story. So my mother's not Italian. At this point, you would think she is, but she's German and Irish and English. But she had to take a cooking test with my grandma before my dad decided to go forward with the marriage. But she's an incredible Italian cook. I love to cook. I cook a lot of Italian. But yeah, yeah, we do. But you and Stephanie still live in the mansions. Tell me about the pros and cons of continuing to live in a community you developed. Do people still stop you in the elevator and and say, I you know, have an issue with this or that? Yes, occasionally. I must say, though, we get far more compliments than complaints. I find it flattering, quite honestly. It's, it's really overwhelmingly most of the people have something super nice to say. Well, I think it's a testament to what you built, considering you can live anywhere that you choose to live in, in the community you developed. You know, our philosophy is if there's going to be a problem, we want to find out about it first. And by living it yourself, you experience. So, uh, you know, ultimately problems emerge. So you want to deal with them. Well, you know, I couldn't have you on this podcast, Jules, without mentioning that you're a developer. Your last name is Trump. (laughs) And there's some other guy out there named Trump who also develops real estate. You managed to successfully navigate a little legal tussle with Donald years ago. But I have to imagine you run into him, particularly because now they all moved down here, right? We run into him a lot more at the tennis. He has a box next to our box, one away from our box. So, you know, we would run into him at the tennis. And our relationship now is okay. It's fine. In fact, you know, he actually said some nice things about us to the New York Times and they were asked to comment about the case. But you don't put your names on your building. You know, look, we're super low-profile people. You know, that's why we, you know, we had out, we had spokespeople like Sophia and so on. I don't know, lately I recognize the need to do it, so we do it. So the Estates at Aquilina South Tower is now complete. It's an impressive 49-story building with 154 units. It's my understanding that the North Tower is going to be 52 stories and contain 94 units, but that's not yet completed, correct? Correct. But it's completely sold out, right? Oh, yes. We were sold out in the middle of 2021. Listen, you've been a developer. You and Eddie have been the developers for decades. What emerging development trends are you noticing? Is anyone going smaller or simpler in the in the luxury real estate space, Jules? Yeah, I think we were fortunate in our design of these buildings, particularly in the second building. We built a lot of four and five bedroom units. Because of what happened with COVID, so you had two things happen. You had the people moving down full-time, therefore needing offices and working from here and so on. So the extra rooms were, were valuable. And the other is more and more families. We, you know, we're very much a family appeal kind of development. And, uh, you know, if we were on South Beach, we'd be something else. But, you know, we've chosen to be focused on the beach, focused on families and so on. So that. That works out well. So we, we did multiple mini rooms. And uh, so that was a big trend that we thought, you know, we picked up on. And, you know, maybe it was luck, whatever, or foresight. But, uh, you know, once COVID hit, it was a real no-brainer. 
So, Jules, I had Florida Representative Dan Daly on the show a while back, and he and I were discussing the growing lack of affordable housing in Florida and how it's going to have a dramatic impact on our economy. Because we need service people in Florida, and these people need to have places to live. So you mentioned earlier in the episode about Karl Lagerfeld. And just as fashion designers often produce both couture lines and more affordable ready-to-wear lines, do you ever see your group developing affordable housing? In Florida? You know, I certainly don't immediately. I mean, you know, our feeling is we want to give back to the community, and we certainly do. We have this I Have a Dream program uh, where we take inner city kids, and, uh, you know, we believe very much in education as the way of getting out of poverty. Just philosophically, that's our thing. So, we, you know, we spend a lot of time, a lot of effort. My wife is super involved in it. And uh, so that's our way of giving back. Other people give back by perhaps by doing affordable housing. How do you think the Champlain Towers tragedy has impacted developers who build on Florida's coastline? Well, I think certainly the uh, building departments have become a lot more vigilant, a lot more careful and uh, in, in the permitting process. And obviously they've gone... Uh, in-depth inspecting buildings and uh, condemning where necessary or uh, advising them that they have to do significant repairs. So I think uh, I think Florida has done a good job of that. And, you know, I think some buildings will come down as a result. That's a great segue because I have a lot of older coastal buildings that are now considering terminating the condominium form of ownership. They're in great locations, Jules, but they've got people on fixed incomes who are now saying, you know what, we cannot afford to fully fund the reserves, and they're looking at what it's really going to cost to perform regular, consistent maintenance and repair projects. Is your group entertaining any of these t- terminations? I know there's a lot of developers out there right now that are trying to look at these older coastal buildings and perhaps buy them out, tear them down, and put something new up. Yeah, we have, we have from time to time. And basically, the two buildings that we bought on either side of Aquilina were both in those conditions. The the one had been condemned by the city and the other one, we'd started accumulating units and been condemned. And the other one on the the north side was a timeshare, three and a half thousand uh, shareholders. So, you know, you can imagine it must have been the worst fun. But we got them all in. We didn't have to force the sale in the end. Well, I'm sure there's going to be more looking to do that. So you have three children. You have 13 grandchildren. You and Stephanie and Eddie, you've built a real estate empire. You show no signs of slowing down. So what's next for you in the Trump group? Well, we're doing a lot of stuff in California. We're in the, uh, we accumulate a lot of, you know, quite a lot of land in the uh, warehouse, uh, in the very prime warehouse area. You know, we'll be developing that. And we're looking to do other stuff in Florida. Maybe you'll come back in a future episode and tell us what's new. Love to do so. And perhaps we'll meet up at Abra. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jules. Joanna, thank you. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow and rate us on your favorite podcast platform or visit TakeItToTheBoard.com for more ways to connect. 